Today, as we finish up Mark chapter 13, I ask you if you will, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles there to Mark 13. We'll be looking at the last verses in this chapter, beginning at verse 32. And I don't know if we thank the Lord as often as we must or ought to, but I thank God for His protection. I thank God for His providence, provision, and I thank God for His sovereignty, that God is in control even when we, even when we don't understand it all. That might be one of the hardest aspects of our walk with Christ that we struggle with is the sovereignty of God. I hope that you are anticipating the return of the Lord with great zeal and great enthusiasm. And I can tell you what, working through Mark 13 has really turned my eyes to looking for His return more so than I can say in many number of years. When we started Mark chapter 13, the goal was to get us excited about the return of our Lord, but then at the same time to build excitement for witnessing to as many people as we can. Because I think the return of the Lord has as its undercurrent an urgency of the gospel. Not that we are saved because we are anticipating His return, but we are saved, as I mentioned before, because He first loved us. And we want to share that good news with as many people as we can. So that means you and I, as we are called to serve King Jesus, and as Dottie Rambo once said, we serve Him until He comes. Until He comes, I will love him though I may not see that my broken heart and my bitter tears are good for me. And the darkest valley may be left to walk before I'm home, but I'll take it to Calvary until he comes. I'll take it to Calvary until he comes. I want you to know that chapter 13 of Mark sets up the disciples to serve Jesus in his physical absence, but also points them to be aware and alert and aware of the surroundings. I look at Mark chapter 13 as a pause on the way to Calvary, almost like an intermission in a way, to share with his disciples the very intimate points that there is coming a time unparalleled on the face of the earth of persecution and trial and tribulation. But more importantly, he wanted his disciples to be aware of the surroundings and then to serve him. With hand to plow, serve the Lord. And I would convey that same message today, that Jesus desires for his people, for you and I, to watch for his return and look for those signs that points to his return, And then as we're looking, not be so busy or distracted as to miss those signs. I'll be the first to admit we get busy in life. And we don't take the time to meditate as we should upon the word of the Lord and to survey 
our current events in the world today. Look at our current events through the lens of Scripture. And if I was to tell you, if I was to ask you, are, do you see the coming of the Lord closer today than you did 20 years ago? I would be the first to raise my hand and say yes. So the Lord wants us to watch and to anticipate His return, but then not be so busy to be distracted. So we must be aware, and that's a message I'm going to share with you today, to be aware, awake, and alert, but then to always be on task for Jesus. In some way, I often would think of this as a spiritual multitasking. In theological terms, it would be an eschatological multitasking. Remember, we talked about eschatology, the study of last things. So it would be an, a multitasking, a, a spiritual multitasking, being that I am looking for His return on one hand, but then at the same time I'm working. I don't consider myself a master at multitasking, but some people are. But this is a spiritual multitasking, looking for His return and serving Him until He comes. So in this last portion of Mark, on the last things, uh, Mark chapter 13, today's sermon is concerning the coming of the Lord, uh, the day of the Lord, but at the same time keeping our eyes on His return. And uh, I want us to stand, if you will. Let's stand for the reading of the Word. And I want you to know that standing for the Word is not just a habit, if you will. It is out of reverence. Okay, it's not just a program we placed into the bulletin. It is out of reverence to our Lord. The word of the Lord says in Mark 13, verse 32, But concerning the day or the hour, no one, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, only the Father. And he says, Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for we do not know when the master of the house will come in, the evening or in the midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Least he comes suddenly and find you asleep. And when I say to you, I, what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word before us today as we close out chapter 13. And this series on last things. I know, Lord, we haven't touched on every single area, but we touched on what was displayed in Mark 13. We're thankful for your word that gives us a snippet of what's to come. Lord, we anticipate your return with great zeal and enthusiasm. But until then, Lord, let us work until you return. If there's one here who doesn't know you today, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'll break up that heart of stone, Lord. Renew them, Lord. Give them new life in you. Save them for Jesus' sake. And in his name we pray it. Amen. You may be seated. Now so far I've asked three major questions during this series. Number one, I asked, is this the end of the world or the end of time? Secondly, I ask, is this the Antichrist, or are these false prophets in the world? And thirdly, I asked, is the return of our Lord soon? Is it around the corner? 
And today I want to answer those questions as I told you I would last week saying, no one knows the day with a challenge to serve him now. Just so that we are clear, and maybe I should have tackled this at the very beginning of this series, but I guess it's uh, now is good, better time than any to share with you, to make this point. Just so you know, and just so we are clear, the end of the world is misunderstood. And you would say, Amen. And what I mean by that is not misunderstood in the way that it's, in a, in a vast way, but what I mean by that is there is not an end of the world. And you might be looking at me, preacher, what you mean? You've, uh, you've spent this, these past uh, three series, these three sermons talk about the end of the world. What I mean by that, it is not the end of the world, only an end of the age. There's coming an end to the age. The way things are now, when the Lord returns, will not be the same. In fact, the Lord Jesus is coming to right the wrongs of this world. And what we call the great reconciliation of all things to himself. In the ultimate sense, it is the Lord Jesus that he will be returning and there will be a mass judging of right and wrong, righteous and sinful. And so the paradigm has not shifted since the Garden of Eden when man had sinned. Are we wrong, righteous? Are we sinful? Where do we fit in? Are we righteous? And if we are righteous, it is only through the person of Jesus. But what I want to do today, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, as we embark upon His Word, is to take these verses in two parts. And the two parts is in the title of the sermon. No one knows the date, so serve Him now. So let's look at point number one in the sermon. No one knows the day. No one knows the day. The words that are expressed by the Lord Jesus are, in verse 32, beginning there, concerning the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard and keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. And so the question is, if I was to drop right into this text without knowing the previous context, I would obviously say, what day? Concerning what day? Well, concerning the day when the abomination of desolation or Antichrist will come and speak great blasphemies and stand in the place where he ought not to stand. The day when destruction will come upon Jerusalem and the temple destroyed in 70 AD. The day when you will not even have time to collect your thoughts. I remember hearing uh, people multiple times say, you know what, I'll get saved. I'll get saved. I want to make sure my, right, my life is straight first. We got it backwards, people. We got it backwards. You will not even have time to collect your thoughts. The day when false messiahs will litter history with their false teaching, or the day when tribulation will, will come in such, uh, it will be so fierce that it seems like the very heavens are shaken out of its place. But then Jesus encourages his disciples to stay alert. And we might just think that this is a passing word from Jesus. Jesus is just telling them to stay awake, as he did with the Garden of Gethsemane. Can't you just, can't you stay up for one hour? We might just think that this is a 
passing remark from our Lord. And by the way, there is no wasted words from our Lord Jesus. Jesus didn't waste words. He didn't, he didn't fluff up his ministry with empty, pithy sayings. We might think this is just a passing word to not pay attention to. But it is very emphatic. We would say in Scripture, if, if there's something mentioned in Scripture, it's truth. Do you believe that? Now, if it is mentioned two times, it is like an exclamation point, isn't it? But how about if it is mentioned seven times in Scripture? This is a very emphatic and strongly enhanced warning, if you will, or encouragement by the fact that the Lord Jesus encourages his disciples to stay alert or be awake seven times in chapter 13 alone. You think he had something important to say about staying alert? Jesus said that the angels nor the Son of Man knows the day. Now, it is easy for us to say, yeah, I get it. I understand that the angels we're not informed of the return of the Lord. They are created beings. They were created in the host of heaven. They were created on that day. And we understand that the angels in heaven will not understand. They will not know the day. But how about Jesus not knowing? You, you can imagine theologians over the years have struggled with this dilemma of Jesus, the Son of God, not knowing the day of the return. So I want to help us understand this question. And to understand this question about Jesus not knowing the day, we must understand something about the character of our Lord Jesus. We've got to understand something about the work and nature and character of our Lord. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to help us understand that this morning just in, in, a, in a brief way. Okay? So to understand that Jesus is fully divine and fully human simultaneously. He is 100%, we would say he's 100% God and 100% man and in this, of the same essence. Simultaneously. Okay, so we, we, we can often come very dangerous, dangerously close to heresy here. But listen to me. He is divine and human at the same time, 100%, okay? Uh, so I want to share with you a classical theological term. And when I share this term with you, it, it sounds more menacing than what it is, I promise you. And, and the point is not to walk out of these doors knowing this particular term, but to know and understand what it means, to understand what, what uh, the the. Um, the meaning behind it. So I want you to understand that. And, and I'm going to flash it up on here on the board right here in a moment. But the terminology is not important, but, but the meaning behind it is important. You can write it down. You can take a mental note. But what I want you to understand is this is a, a, an attempt to describe the divinity of God, of Christ, and His humanity at the same time. And the term, I'm going to put it up on the board here, is the term hypostatic union. And you might say, go oh, Lord, preacher, that's a big, long term. Now, I don't care if you know the term, but I want you to know is, is what it means. It is Jesus as God and human at the same time. I want you to know this description. 
The doctrine of this union is an effort to describe how Jesus could be both God and man at the same time. This is thankful to our early church fathers who got together and said, we need, we need to study the character and nature of God against all types of heresy that say that Jesus wasn't divine, that says that Jesus' divinity come at a later time. No, Jesus is... Uh, the Son of God is eternal. He is the second person of the triune Godhead who robed himself in flesh so that he could suffer and die on the cross for our sins. He is God and he is man simultaneously. It is ultimately a doctrine that we cannot fully understand. And if we could, we would be God. It is impossible to fully understand how God works. But God has given us revelation, exactly what he wants us to know. Now, this union of the person of Jesus is the combining of, of his divinity and his humanity, which his humanity is just as important as his divinity. Without his humanity, he would not die and suffer on the cross. Now, trying to understand this thought as best we can, gives us some insight as to why the Son of Man did not know the day or hour. The struggle with the humanity of Jesus. But I want to take it a little deeper. I want to take this thought a little deeper. You might say, preacher, I haven't recovered from the last, from the last thought. I want to take it a little deeper. Could it be that the Lord Jesus... Now, that, this might be speculation on my behalf. And I don't, believe me, I don't want to speculate on the word. But I, I, I want to, I, I, I really, I want to honor the text. I want to honor God's word. But I begin to think about this. Could it be that the Lord Jesus made himself not know the day or hour? Now, that's deep. That's deep. So, the idea is this, and why Jesus says this, that no one knows the return of the Lord, not even the Son, so do not try to map out my return. So press on, the disciples, press on, pay attention, be, on, be alert, be on guard. It is a common reoccurrence in chapter 13. As mentioned earlier, there is a call to be alert or to pay attention, mentioned seven separate times. And again, there is a tension here to be alert and not to be so busy that we are called unaware. The word keep awake or watch is captured in a striking way as to exclaim, see the things around you, watch, pray, and I have added serve to serve. I've mentioned in previous sermons how many people over the ages have tried to predict the coming of the Lord uh, the rapture of the church prescribed in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and the great day of the Lord, this ultimate judgment where sinners, sinners and the wicked will ultimately be judged in uh, what is called the second death uh, mentioned in, in the book of the Revelation. Uh, and many people over the years have tried to predict the coming of the Lord and the very first recorded person in history is uh, ha, ha, um, um, Hippolytus of Rome. Uh, try to say that about five different times. 
uh, Hippolytus of Rome who lived 170 to 235 AD, the first person recorded in history who tried to sit down and map out when the Lord would return all the way up to Harold Camping in 2011 who I mentioned previously who spent $11 million on billboards around the country saying that the Lord will return in May of 2011. So there have been people all over the ages who've tried to predict the coming of the Lord and none of them in this prediction would say, he's coming on this day, make sure you're right, so serve him until he returns. I have not heard one false prophet on this say, you need to put your hand to the plow and serve until he returns. Not one. And so I submit to you, watch, pray, and be on guard is not just an individual task. It is a communal task. It is a task of all of us to watch and pray. And I can say to you that the signs of the return of the Lord seems to have intensified. We as a church must watch and pray together. And I added, serve together. I think about this in times of war. There's somebody, let's say World War I, World War II, or any time of war who would be the watchman posted on the wall to watch for the enemy coming. And there's an enemy coming. When this watchman is looking out over the field and he sees an enemy coming over the horizon, this watchman doesn't put on his weapon. He doesn't go out in the battlefield to meet the enemy head on by himself. He will find himself quickly dead on the battlefield if he did. When he watches the enemy advance, he goes to his commanding officer and lets his commanding officer, the one in charge, lets them know that there is an enemy approaching. Jesus commands us to watch and be alert, but I would also challenge us to inform others as well. Share the good news. Share with your neighbor that Jesus is coming again. To, to, to share in the good news with others around us. 17th century theologian William Grinnell explained it like this. He said, He that prays and watches not is like him that sows a field with precious seed, but then leaves the gate open for the swine and pigs to come and root it up. Or like the person who has spent their life and great pains to get a lot of money, but then not care where they lay it up at. They do not care where they have laid it up in the bank or not, or leave it laying around, or so be it. I want to tell you this, and you know it. The Lord has left us with a tremendous opportunity. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 12, very familiar verse, Jesus said, truly, truly, or verily, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And that has been a great question to ask. What are the greater works here? Maybe part of the greater work has to do with watching and, and praying and evangelizing, not that we would die on the cross or atone for sins or atone for our own sins, but the greater things are seeing Jesus save and transform lives. 
The greater things is to preach Jesus, preach the glories of the cross across the globe and see how the Lord can change people's lives. See, maybe you're here today and you are being distracted. We're all distracted, by the way. There is always a distraction. You don't believe me? Spend some time in prayer. Try to shut your phone off. Maybe you are here today and you are being distracted. Maybe you're not where you ought to be with the Lord and you know it. Maybe you're not where you ought to be with the Lord. And before I go into this last point that I want to share, I want to say to you right now, there's always time to repent. And what I mean is during this time of worship. I would say to you, if you do not hear anything else, and you, do not, and you know right now that your walk with Christ is not where it ought to be, I'm going to challenge you before I even move forward to repent. You know, repentance is, has always been in God's economy since the fall. Repent, respond, watch, pray. Let me say that again. You know your, your walk with the Lord is not where it ought to be. Repent, respond, watch, pray, and then, secondly, serve Him now. Serve Him now. Serving Jesus is a theme that I think that every pulpit across America or across the globe should exclaim every Sunday. It should be exclaimed in every pulpit across the globe right after the proclamation of the good news. Now that I know that I am a believer and I'm a disciple of Him, what do I do? How do I serve Jesus? See, to be saved and to serve should be ingrained in every sermon in some way. I want you to look at verse 34. Jesus is the Lord, and we are His servants, aren't we? I want you to listen to these words. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for we do not know when the master of the house will come. He will come in the evening or the midnight or when the rooster crows. There's a four watch here, a four, four part watch. Just go ahead and kill that before that kills me. <laughs> well, that's not good. Let's preach on. Amen. Let's press on. All right. We're going to press on, okay? But what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And if that don't wake you up, I don't know what will. I'm awake. <laughs> yes. Based upon the parable and the previous challenge by Jesus, the man going on the journey is the Lord Jesus himself. And he leaves or places his servants, his disciples in charge. Which means every person in the sound of my voice 
Every person that is a child of God in Christ has a task or talent to help promote the kingdom and to grow the kingdom of God. We all have a task to do. If you're in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're tiny or you're 90 or above. You have a task to do for the Lord Jesus. Every person who belongs to Jesus does not have the luxury to sit and watch in distraction, which is the very opposite of what Jesus commanded. I don't get the luxury, if you call it luxury, to put my feet up on the seat of complacency and say, let somebody else do it. Jesus wanted to make it very clear that every believer in the kingdom has a task And so he admonishes again to say, stay awake, knowing how many distractions there might be. And I believe that this morning, the enemy wants to distract you from hearing what I've got to say. From here, I believe the enemy wants to distract you. So he admonishes again, stay awake, knowing how many distractions there are. Very timely reminder. Why? Because we do not know when the master will return. It could be evening, midnight, morning when the rooster crows. And listen, I I know for us in Jesus, for us in Christ, when he returns, we'll be ready. Why? Because we're in him. Right? In the sense of being saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, we're in Him. But I am fearful that His church, the church universal, has been asleep for far too long. You would have thought that a worldwide pandemic would have shaken up the church a bit. We fall right back into our same old habits. We live in the time when the ministry mantra is this, let someone else do it. And in some way it sounds as if to be unaware is also to be unprepared, and to be unprepared makes us unfit for His service. But I've got to say this, I'm thankful for God's grace. I'll never forget the words of my pastor back home who said, if you ever feel the time when you feel adequate to stand in that pulpit, every fit of time when your knees don't knock a little bit, it's time for you to quit. My adequacy is not in me. It is not how much I know. It is in Him. It is in Him. So I'm grateful that He equips us for the good work. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, I know that this has been a very difficult year. I know it has. And I thank you from the pulpit for your grace. I thank you for your, your mercy. I'm, I'm thankful for your understanding and your patience. Working through a, a pandemic with almost no break. I survey the ministry roster, which we'll look at in just a moment. And, and I look at it, and there are areas which I'm pleased because God has filled those areas. And there are others where I know we need work. When I stand in front of the Lord, I want you to hear this for you too. When I stand before the Lord and when you stand before God, I want Him to be pleased with how I use the gifts that God has given to me. 
When I stand before God, I want him to be pleased with what he has given to me. And I know this is the last Sunday before the ministry changes, which we'll look at in just a moment. But I challenge you, if, if you are not serving anywhere, I, I challenge you, get plugged in. There is, we'll find somewhere for you to serve until he comes. Even in a pandemic, we still serve him. Now, for some, they haven't stopped serving Jesus. For others, maybe fear has kept them away, and that's certainly understandable. But there's a place for you to serve, and there always has been. And yeah, you might not agree with everything that goes on in the church. You might not. You might not agree with every direction and every decision the church makes. You find a church where you will agree 100% across the board, and I challenge you, join that church. You'll never find it. You'll never find it. You might not agree with every direction of the church, but unless it is heretical, unless it is false teaching, it gives us no excuse to withdraw our service to Jesus. I don't see eye to eye on everything, but I will never stop serving the Lord. With, of course, His grace and mercy. So part of watching and part of praying and being aware is having one eye on Jesus' return and the other on ministry here. In, in closing, until he comes, we are to love others fervently. I believe this church loves others fervently. I believe that with all my heart. And we serve our king with the same passion. I pray that that, that would be our prayer. I want to close out this series with the words from Theodore H. Epp, who was an American Christian clergyman, writer, and most well-known as a radio evangelist. I'm going to close out this on he, these words that he, that he shared. He said about the return of our Lord Jesus and our place in his work. He said, live as though Christ died yesterday, rose from the grave today, and is coming back tomorrow. Let me say that again. Live as though Christ died yesterday, rose from the grave today and is coming back tomorrow. And if we can understand the scope and the breadth of this dynamic, we will serve Jesus with an unmatched zeal and love. How about you today? How about you today? Do you know him? Do you know Christ? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? Again, are you where you ought to be? With him, And if you feel the Spirit of God dealing with you now, this altar is open for you to pray. I'll ask you to come and pray. I'll ask you to do that here in just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you might say, Lord, give me a passion to serve. Give me a passion to serve. Plug me in somewhere. Use me until you return. If that's you today, I'll pray for you as well. I pray that the Lord will use you. Be obedient to him is my prayer until he Comes. Let's pray.